we've got bells ringing our end everybody <laughs> you know that's a terrible memory i've just come up with which is the bells the bells the bells and maybe i shouldn't start with this but it was an opening line for me in the roses of eam many moons ago when i played the bedlam who saw that the black plague was coming but nobody else saw it and he was ringing the bells to warn the whole village that the black plague and i had to play the character it's a bit no, prophetic wasn't it be traumatizing our community by telling them that i played <laughs> i played a, a mad boy in the roses of eam i've got a very nice photo of me somewhere with mud all over me oh, and wow. then of course 10 years later i was mad so <laughs> there you go so it was a bit, a bit of a prophetic and vision and very Halloween appropriate. Very, Hall it is very Halloween appropriate. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Uh, our little stories at the beginning. We like to tell a few stories. You love a story, <laughs> you love a story. Lighten it up. But actually tonight, what we're talking about is thriving. Because actually the group being called Trauma Thrivers, we thought talking about thriving might be a good idea. So. So what does thriving mean to you, our group, and also to Mel? And what is what is thriving? I know that we talked a little bit about it a couple of weeks ago, but just to reiterate, trauma thriving, really. Absolutely. Well, and also just to say um, to everybody that's listening to us this evening and watching us this evening, if you're there, sometimes Lou and I tend to feel that we're a bit alone here. So please say hello. So just hit the like button or the heart button or the send us hugs or waves or put some comments in. Um, you know, we want this to be interactive and we want to know that, I mean, as much as I love talking to you, Lou, it's nice to know that there's other people that we're talking to as well. Yeah, well, we are doing it for a reason, really, at the end of the day, aren't we? <laughs> kind of. Yeah. I'd like to think so. Yeah. I'd like to think so. But I think, yeah, I think this evening is really talking about, um, and I know this is this is a word that we've kind of coined, is about thrivability. Yes. Right? What yeah. is thrivability? What elements does it take to truly thrive? Because, you know, we've talked about the difference between surviving and thriving yeah. um, weeks ago. If you haven't watched that, go back and watch it um, and let us know what you think of that one. Um, so I think this evening is really, it's kind of more about what are the real key elements that it takes to, to thrive and, and to yeah. have thrivability. Um, yeah. And I think we've sort of you know come up with these six v's haven't we um which we believe are, are the elements to thriving so why don't you tell us what they are lou well the six v's from my point of view are um i'm gonna do them in the order that they came to me in because then maybe i can personalize it a bit yeah. um otherwise it feels a bit dry so the first v for me and i know it's not your first v mel but it was for me is vision mm. and it doesn't necessarily always come at the beginning of the journey for everybody but for me i had to have a reason i had to have a good enough reason to do the work on myself to get me through and over the trauma and so having a vision or a mission or a purpose 
or a reason behind it was really, really kind of vital. It was my first step, if you like. Um, and then the next step was trying to put down the vices. Mm -hmm. And I say trying and I laugh, you know, because some vices get put down more easily than other vices, you know, and although it took me many and numerous attempts with alcohol, I think the hardest things for me to put down were um, nicotine um, and smoking. And then I actually found it really hard to put down nicotine gum. Um, so I've, and, and you know, and, and food. Um, food was always a comforter and a comfort blanket. And I think that if we want to truly thrive, we can't really be using substances or behaviors or vices because we can't step into that, that thriving space really. So those are two, for me, it was about vision and being free of vices. The next one for me was about this self-validation and about finding my validation or my codependency and esteem coming from everybody else, mm. coming from outside of me, coming from other people or how they looked at me and not having any sense of my own self-validation. Mm. Um, and that, that took a while. And then for me also a real real important point of thriving and being a trauma thriver is our ability to find our voice yeah. you know and find our voice firstly by being able to say no by being able to put in boundaries mm -hmm. by just speaking and speaking our mind and speaking out and then secondly for me finding a voice was about being able to tell my story, being able to speak on a stage, being able to speak in a meeting, being able to speak in a room full of people, being able to speak in a TEDx, you know, which 10 years ago would have been absolutely impossible. So I think if you don't have a voice, it's really, really, really difficult to thrive. And the same is very true with being visible. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I don't know about you, Mel, but I had a problem with putting myself out there in doing videos, in doing stuff like Facebook Lives, in even showing up on any way in social media or, yeah, taking a step into the limelight in any way, you know, and being maybe judged or looked at or criticized or you know thinking that internal dialogue as it does you know my my old chestnut what was and I've shared this with you before was too old too fat and too ugly mm -hmm. you know to put myself out there so not being visible how can you really thrive if you're not visible and the last one for me um, was about valuing myself was really about value and self-worth and in the old days you know I couldn't ever charge um, I couldn't really earn any money um, I didn't value my time at all I gave it away in fact I gave most things away because my self-worth was so low that until I could kind of upscale how much I valued myself and my inner self-worth, how could I become a thriver? And so all of those things to me, those paths, they're not, 
um, that you do, you know, one on their own, they're kind of consecutive spirals on the journey of being able to do all of those things mm -hmm. so that we can really truly flourish and be ourselves and step into ourselves because, you know, who we're meant to be, we're meant to be thrivers. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, the really important thing to remember is that we are all different. And I know I say this often, but you know, there might be areas, and I know we've had lots of discussions about this, Lou, areas which you are already thriving. And it might be that there's some things that just innately come naturally to you. Like you. Yeah. Like, you know, I always say to you, my God, how, how the hell have you been able to just find your voice? Because, mm. you know, for finding my voice for me, bloody hell I I had to do course upon course upon course I had to stand when I was trying to do public speaking and go through so much training and so I think it was about two years before I could stand on a stage so I really struggled with voice where your voice kind of comes to you naturally it's not been as difficult yeah. that part I think I think in in some ways yes and in some ways no I I for me I think you know I disclosed about my sexual abuse when I was 13 which in a lot of respects is actually quite young you yeah. know a lot of a lot of clients that that we see have never disclosed you know we're seeing people in their 30s 40s 50s 60s that you know the first time they've ever disclosed about their childhood trauma is yeah. to speak to us. Yeah. Um, so although it kind of took me 13 years because, you know, it the trauma started pre-verbal, I still think I was quite young in yeah. by a lot of standards um, to have been able to find my voice and, and tell my story at that point. Um, yeah. And I think in, in some respects, finding my voice has been come easy to me. Um, I think especially um, in terms of, yeah, being able to tell my story, being able to, you know, do the social media stuff. And I think that's probably more in the terms of visible um, where I've, I've kind of thrived quite easily. But where I've struggled to find my voice, Lou, and, and this has really only been a fairly recent thing, is the other side of it, which is the setting the boundaries. Yeah. Being able to kind of ask for my needs to be met, the being able to say no when I need to. So, yeah. so it, it's been, you know, it's still been a, a journey for me in that respect. And actually, I remember for many years, and I, I don't know if this is a result of, you know, what happened after I disclosed about my trauma because everything kind of blew up um and and more trauma ensued but actually I think that I lost my voice a little bit after that as well and I remember for many many years I couldn't listen to myself like if I heard my voice somewhere I would cringe yeah actually it wasn't until I did my yoga teacher training which was about six or seven years ago now that I found it again yeah. And I started to be able to use my voice publicly again. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
so it's taken, you know, that it's been a journey for me with, with, with my voice as well, I think. Um, yeah. But I think for me, the visible has been the easier one. Um, and I think that sort of goes back to, you know, being on the stage when I was younger and, um, and the performing. And I've always found that very easy. I've never, I've never been one to shy away from the limelight. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that that's helpful in a way, isn't it? And I'm sure lots of people that are listening, you know, do find that even being on a Facebook Live or commenting underneath or putting themselves out there in any way is a bit tricky still. And, you know, it's not it's not that it's not tricky for therapists either, because I think you know, we can we can disclose our trauma in a safe environment and then we can disclose to a, a therapist or we can share our story. But I also think we kind of have to do it in degrees because we need to, to, to certainly when we're telling it from a stage, I always say we need to kind of have done enough work on the story that we're speaking from the, the scar and not the wound, you know, so... It, for me, it was definitely steps and, you know, it was definitely small parts of the storm story and, and, and elements of it bit by bit by bit by bit, you know, and I'd never probably have been able to stand up and tell all the trauma story, even up to five years ago for me. Um, so I don't want anybody to feel that's watching this. Oh, my God, I haven't shared my story or I'm not there yet because almost for me and I know that you you know you blasted it young but almost for me a lot of people I work with is getting them ready to share their story or to say their story or to report or to do something about it and actually um that often isn't the first step is it it's yeah, often you know, yeah definitely not yeah and, and I think you know in terms of I know that you went through that that list in in how it happened for you, but uh, and we talked about this before. I I struggle actually to to know whether the vices or the vision came first for me because I I know that definitely because of how deep in my addiction I was that had to be really the first journey that I went on, the first yeah. element that I addressed because. I was, you know, I was using so much and, and drinking so much that there was, there wouldn't have been any possibility for any other work to have been done. Unless you without. put down, but, but you must have kind of had some sort of good enough reason or some moving away of pain and towards pleasure. There must be a crunch point for us to want to put down, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the the vices yeah and I think for me there there must have been that vision there there must there was definitely in fact I know there was a sense of purpose that yeah. came to me um and when that sense of purpose came to me and you know for me that was my sense of purpose was that I wanted to live was yeah. that I wanted to help people um was that I wanted to use the pain and the suffering that I'd been through to shine a light on other people's pain and suffering and once I knew that once I had that that purpose and that vision I was able to put the vices down that that was part of 
Okay, so you did have the vision first. So I think I probably did. Yeah. 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 Although, although it wasn't, it wasn't how I was going to do it or how I was going to achieve those things or exactly what the goals were. Um, there was definitely a sense of purpose and a, and a, yeah. and a vision that that's it had to be better. Yeah. And sometimes it's like that spiritual moment, isn't it? it or or a, a soulful moment of having a glimpse of who we could become without the vices. Mm-hmm. You know, and some of you listening to this might not have deep addictions or might not be really using food or really in that self-defeating, self-destructive cycle. Um you know, and I think we can self-destruct and self-defeat and, and do all of that lack of self-care or compassion in lots of ways. It doesn't just have to be drugs or alcohol or, or, or you know, me smoking 60 fags a day. Well, maybe 40, to be fair. You know, it can be how we are with exercise. It can be how we are with work. It can be that we don't give ourselves any time off, that we don't really look after ourselves in some way. You know, all of that is vices really. Even, even codependency in some way is a, is a vice because we're putting everybody else first instead of ourselves. So I, I think it's about any self-defeating habit really becomes a vice mm-hmm. and it also becomes a blocker for us ever being who we really are absolutely yeah I mean we we cannot connect to to our authentic selves when we're avoiding and and dissociating which is what the vices do yeah I think one of the things that I wanted to to bring up um in this in this chat today um is about the limiting beliefs because I think you know what what are limiting beliefs and and what limiting beliefs underpin these 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 things that stop us from getting to these places that getting from getting to our vision from getting to being able to validate ourselves well if you put the six v's separately how Mm. it works in my head or how i do it through the both my own trauma journey and also people that i work with is i think that it's really important to do the self thing. So I think it's really important to do the self-care, the self-compassion. I think it's really important to do the self-belief. I think it's really important to raise our self-esteem. I think it's really important to look at self-worth. I think it's really vital to be able to self-express. So all those self-caring, belief, esteem, worth, expression are to me the opposite of the limiting belief Mm -hmm. so if we take each of the v's separately and some of them cross over you know some of them cross over but some of them are kind of independent you know the validating by others what do we think that a limiting belief would be within our child self if we constantly had to be validated by others if we were looking for approval constantly by others it's kind of 
I'm unlovable or I don't matter or I'm insignificant. I kind of need you to give me that sense of significance. And we know where it comes from. It comes from a lack of mirroring uh, early on and an attachment neglect that we need other people. Um, and we do need other people. We are neurobiological beings. We, we do well in safe relationships but when it comes to thriving we've got to get to the place of validating ourselves Mm -hmm. absolutely you know so I think with the valuable I think value is all about self-worth and feeling unworthy Mm -hmm. and feeling lacking in value in some way Mm -hmm. so I think the belief early on is you know I don't deserve it Mm -hmm. yeah you know, I, I'm unworthy. I can't. I can't. I can't get it for myself. I think the voice uh, is something about you know the self-expression. We're taught so early on that we're not allowed to express ourselves. You know, shh, be quiet. Who's making a noise? And so you know that being heard or having a voice often gets kind of stuck in our throat or traumatized you know I can't speak out or I can't find my voice or if I do I'm going to be rejected or what I've got to say isn't important yeah I'm going to be shushed yeah that's awful you know and I'm not just going to be shushed for my voice I'm not going to I'm not able to speak out about how I really feel Mm. So I can't share my emotions. I can't say what's going on for me. I've just got to kind of hold it all in. So our internal and external voice all gets repressed, you know, and I can't tell you the amount of people that get it stuck in their throat. You know, they can't speak because they think they're going to get into terrible trouble. Mm -hmm. You know, that was me. Um, So I think voice is that. I think vision is I'm stuck. I don't have any belief to be able to go towards my goals. Uh, I I don't know what I want. Um, I don't know where I'm going. I'm incapable of getting there anyway. I don't have what it takes. I don't trust myself, I think, for vision. Because I think I, I remember having, you know, uh, people used to say to me, you know, all the gear, no idea. But I had the ideas. Yeah. I, I, I had all this stuff in my head and I would start things. I would always, my mum used to say this to me all the time, you know, Melanie, you always start things and you never finish them. Yeah. Because I would start something and then I'd think, oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe this is the wrong thing. And I would start to question it and not trust myself, not trust what initially I believed in suddenly it's like that imposter syndrome isn't it yeah kicked in yeah and it kicks in because underneath all of this under underneath the inability to validate ourselves or have a voice or have a vision or feel valuable or or validate ourselves or be visible are all these limiting beliefs in our child part going you're not going to be able to make it you're not going to be able to do it. You can't do it. So we're stuck, unable to thrive because we think, or, well, part of us thinks all these terrible things about ourselves. Yeah. 
you know, mm. and like people are going to discover it and I'm going to get found out and they're going to, you know, I'm never going to make it and I'll be rejected and abandoned. And then here we are again, stuck, not able to move forwards, you know, in that procrastinating, putting off, you know, I, you know, it's endless. I, I, I did it for years, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think sometimes it's helpful to know that, you know, I'm unlovable to I'm lovable. I, I'm, I don't matter to I matter. I'm insignificant or worthless to I'm worthy. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not overnight jobs. No. But once you've identified that it's the beliefs that are blocking you, I, I love looking at it as the all or nothings or the black or white. So let's say that the child believes this. What blocks us is that part of us that I call the critical parent or we call the adapted self because the wounded self is the child the adapted self is the kind of uh, critical parent that carries on that dialogue oh don't do it oh no don't put yourself out there oh don't say that oh 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 is constantly blocking because it's protecting the child It doesn't want us to feel reshamed, rehumiliated, re whatever. It's going, no, don't do it. Don't, don't do it because mm-hmm. this is going to happen. Yeah. So somehow in the middle of both those all or nothings or blacks or whites, we've got to find the middle ground, which is our true, real adult self. Mm-hmm. The nurturing. Yeah. Yeah, And I think the thing to to point out here is that adapted self and and I call I just call her my teenager because, um, you know, she can get very stubborn and (laughs) and a critical parent, I tell you, yeah, Um, it was actually kept me safe. Yeah, really, really long time served a purpose. Yeah, their their job is there to help you. Yeah, and and what I had to learn in in my healing journey was to be able to say to that part of myself, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for trying to keep me safe. But the adult's here now. Yeah. The grown-up's here. Yeah. is going to start taking care of things. And you can still be here and you're still welcome. But we're going to start doing things a little bit differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, And that's exactly the process, isn't it? of going from surviving to thriving is trying to really self-care and value and esteem those parts of us that have been hidden or ostracized or put down or shamed and try and bring them out of the cupboard if you like and Mm -hmm. start talking to them and engaging with them again and having a dialogue and at the same time that stroppy teenager or critical parent or whatever we want to call it the adapted self knowing that it's trying to do its best for us but in a really old archaic way Mm -hmm. and it might have worked 10 or 20 or 30 years ago but it's not working for you now. Yeah. 
And it's really important to point out here, as Lou said before, you know, this, it's a process. Yeah. You know, these beliefs, these limiting beliefs, they need to be recognized. They need to be understood. They need to be metabolized. Yeah. It's a process. You know, it's, I wish we could just, you know, give our clients some magic formula that they go to bed one night and then they wake up in the morning. I mean, we'd be out of business, but. <laughs> great, I'd write, could put me out of business. I would rather, everybody a new career. Yeah. Um, that, you know, you could just go to bed one night and wake up in the morning and it was all magically gone. Yeah. You know, it was all magically, it was all magic, magically changed, but it's a process. And actually sometimes it can be a really beautiful process because I yeah. think, you know, for me, it was where I got to really know myself and understand myself and start to love myself. It's an unfolding and it's a development and it's going from self-hate and self-negation and self-loathing, which is sometimes what our child parts unfortunately believe about themselves. And then the adapted or the teenager compounds that to going into the middle of both of those polarities and going, okay, how, how do I start to, you know, cause I think we joked about this a while ago, you know, you're not gonna go from um, earning a minimum wage and I'm, I'm, I hate to use money as a, as, a, as a standpoint or a kind of measure, yeah, but, it's but sometimes it's quite a good measure. Yeah. So, you know, we're not going to go from charging £10 an hour or 20 to 2000 you know, and there's some things that we can't charge 2000 for anyway. But, you know, we're not suddenly going to go from zero to 100. It is a process, as you say, of somewhere in the middle starting to hear a more reasoned adult, kinder, slightly kinder voice, because self-loathing doesn't go to Mm self-love. You know, self, what's the opposite of self-worth? None. Yeah. Yeah, no (laughs) self-worth at all to high self-worth doesn't happen. No self-care or compassion to high self-care and compassion. It doesn't just happen but it's a process of balancing those very opposing forces within us and starting to see there's nothing wrong with them. Mm -hmm. There never was. It was just what they were taught and told when they were growing up. And, you know, I for one, and I'm sure you're the same, if anybody wants to use this community to be more visible or to if it's appropriate posting put your voice out here if it's helpful use the community share get involved you know mel and i we're delighted to help you step into your thriving because god it took me a hell of a long time so if i can help anybody else along the way we'd love to do that and knowing that this is a safe space to do that you know it's a private group no one outside it can see what's going on no one knows that you're here it's just us um and it's a really safe place and and I kind of yeah I kind of wish that maybe I had 
we had more of this when I was going through, you know, yeah. the first stages of my healing, you know, yeah. media wasn't, wasn't a thing, you know, it wasn't, you couldn't engage with community in quite, in quite the same way. Yeah. And, um, and even though, you know, social media has its drawbacks in that, you know, the validation and the self-validation and, and being validated, you know, as you scroll through Instagram, you know, even sometimes at, at my ripe old age, I can find myself going, oh, wow, oh, I don't know whether this is, you know, improving my mood any, you know, um, and, and, it, and it can do that. But I think I think I can't remember what I was what point I was gonna say. Sorry, too many, too many, too much work today. A senior moment, Lou. Yeah, I'm having a senior menopause moment. Yeah, there you go. There we all have them, Mel. You're far too young to know what they're like. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. Um, you were talking about social media, the need to validate. Oh yeah, I was talking about Unity. the benefits of Common it. You know, so I think the benefits of it. Thank you. Are about being visible and about practicing and putting yourself out there little bit by little bit so I do think you know it has its drawbacks like most things but it's also got its pluses absolutely yeah yeah so before we sign off this evening so soir, um I want to ask you Lou are there any areas are there any of those six v's that you still find challenging? And if so, how do you deal with them now? Ooh. Um, I like putting you on the spot. That's all right. I don't mind being put on the spot at all. And I also don't mind saying to people that I, I think it's a continuous journey. And I think my vision and value and voice adapt each year and each year. And they probably will do please God, for the next 10 or 20 or however long I'm on the planet. So yeah, I think it's a, I, I, I wouldn't say that I'm at 100% of all of it yet, but maybe at 80. I mean, there's some things that trigger me still in certain situations, finding my voice, you know, with certain people or, you know, I don't know how I would feel, um, I don't know, standing up in the Houses of Parliament with a full room and a full audience still, I think that would slightly unnerve me. Um, you but, for it, Lou. Huh? I think you should prepare yourself for it. <laughs> well, I think if we wanna if we wanna raise the flag and fly the flag even of making mental health provision and trauma treatment available to the masses and not only to the selective few it might be a campaign mel at some point that we're going to have to get involved in because you know i for one as you are am passionate about someday making something more affordable for those that that can't afford it so yes but i was, I was thinking more about when you get knighted <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't I don't think I have that in my vision <laughs> at all um bless but yeah <laughs> I think I'll have to do a few more good deeds before we get to that yeah yeah I I I, I definitely think that you know the valuable and the voice we're we're still learning and also that self-validation mm -hmm. you know your critical parent or the internal dialogue or the superego or the adapted 
are, it never totally disappears, you know, and, and mine hasn't either. So I just want to be totally upfront and honest about it. It reduces, it reduces, it reduces, it reduces. And in a way, until you go to kind of, you know, one consciousness and there's just one of you and there's no duality whatsoever and no ego left, which, you know, is possible. Um, I think those voices are always going to be there in a way. Just checking. Oh, you sure you really want to do this? Oh, is that a good idea to say that? Oh, you know, don't be too shamed about being menopausal on your Facebook Live where you completely lose your chain of thought halfway through. <laughs> you know, I mean, if that had been 10 years ago, maybe five, that would, I, I'd have, I'd have coloured at that. Mm. Oh, I'm live to, to my Facebook group and I'm losing, I'm losing the plot here, everyone. You know, it's all right. We don't have to be perfect. Oh, I love What that. about you? I think the same, really. Um, for me, as you know, the last few weeks, I've kind of, you know, been going through a relationship breakup and that has really, the where I've, found it challenging is is the validation yeah because my you know my inner critic starts to come in you know and I think that's the thing that happens right life events don't stop happening you know I say this all the time when we get to a certain point in our healing process we don't suddenly wake up farting unicorns like it does <laughs> work that way yeah yeah but what does happen is for me, you know, when, when now, when the life events happen, first of all, for me, the miracle is I don't go to a drink or a drug. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. The miracle. Yeah. Right? The miracle yeah. is I don't revert back to the vices. But there is an ability to get in touch with and engage with the nurturing adult yeah. Yeah. faster and a lot easier and to do the processing and to know, and I think this is the really important part for me, to know that the pain is a gift yeah. and, that, and that if I can stick with the pain, if I can sit with the uncomfortable feelings, if I am brave enough, if I am brave enough to do the processing, then there's another layer of trauma that's been shifted. Yeah, yeah. And there's another level of freedom that happens as a result of it. Yeah. yeah. So I think that a lot of it is faith and belief. <laughs> and sometimes some of it's just clinging on for dear life. <laughs> and having wonderful people like you to help me through it. Oh, bless you. <laughs> bless you. You know, what came up for me just then is that shit still happens, but it smells sweeter. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. 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 So my woman with the dog that got narky with me this week, Mel, yeah. the story I told you, who screamed and shouted and got very upset and the dog wasn't whittling. Five years ago, that would have really jostled me. Ten years ago, I'd have probably burst into tears. This time... I'm not having any of it, love. You yeah. know, there's a boundary that can go in. And it doesn't, it, it falls off a lot, a lot more. So I think that's, that's what we get, isn't it? If we keep doing the work. 
Yeah, I think at the crux of it is the shame reduction. Yeah, yeah. The shame yeah. reduction. Yeah, and not having anybody else projecting their stuff onto you, which is lovely. Tell him, tell him to Foxtrot Oscar, Lou. Yeah, tell him to Foxtrot Oscar, unless it's lovely stuff, which you just said. So then we'll let all of that in. Yeah. But we want to know what you guys think and what's helpful for you and where you are at on the continuum. And if any of the V's resonated with you and if they did, what you think about them and what comes up for you or what's missing or your thoughts around it. Yeah, that's that would be nice, wouldn't it? We'd love that. We'd we want love to hear that. from you guys. That's why we do this stuff. Yeah, yeah. So let us know. I know that we'll get our stalwarts and the people that are here every week that we love coming Thank back you. and watching. And yeah, and we will be um, interviewing more people. It won't just eternally be the me and Mel show. Although we hope you like it when it's just us two having a little chat. And uh, I don't should I'm... ask that question, Lou. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe not. I, no. might fall back in, I might fall back into my 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 not being able to validate myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Validated by the group. Oh, God. Oh. But in the meantime, we're trying to keep them a bit short and sweet and uh, less than 45 minutes so you don't look at it and go oh my god that's going to take up all the day if I watch that mm. and any questions come back to us let us know in the group and we're back next week but we have got somebody we do we do and next week so from this week on tonight we've kind of done a little bit of a an overview of the the, the v's the six elements to thriveability um and from next week we're going to be exploring each of those six v's with an expert not, uh, that not that we're not experts but with other experts yeah um in a little bit more detail yeah. so um just keep an eye on the facebook group to see what's coming up next. and if anybody actually is an expert in one of those v's or thinks that yeah. they are an expert Hello. they're very welcome to get in touch aren't they absolutely 100 percent. yeah please do yeah we love that our group is half clinicians really and half thrivers mm. so it's a really brilliant mixture we've got we've got you all in here but yet I know that even us clinicians, even us, sometimes we have a problem finding our voice and putting ourselves out there. So this could be relevant to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. In the meantime, lots of love yeah. and have a good week. See Thanks, Mel. Well. Take mm -hmm. care, everyone. And we'll see you soon. And let us know what you think in the comments. Bye, Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Bye.